0: It's Mankato's talk of the town, connecting the community on News
1: Sports Talk KTOE. Here's your host, Lisa Kay. All right, we are back on KTOE. Talk of the town continues. Eleven oh eight. I am so glad. I think the snow has stopped falling, but we're in for another inch to three inches tonight. That's what it looks like. All right, guests. This hour include Mankato Area Foundation. We've got Nancy Zalek. And Nancy, I haven't seen you for a long time. It has been a while. My goodness. Sorry about that. You look lovely. No, that's (laughs) okay, because normally you send Marine, in, and Marine's on
2: mic too. How are you doing? Hello, I'm Grant.
1: Good to see you. Good to see both of you. I'm going to have to go back and forth. I've got one on my left, one on my right. I'm being flanked by greatness here. I want to talk a little bit about um, some of the news coming out of Mankato Area Foundation, because I know that we have a 50th anniversary celebration that's going on. The whole entire year, really, you're celebrating. Correct. And let's talk a little bit about um, the uh, origin of Mankato Area Foundation. I know that Marine works with just like with a chapter of it. And you have so much going on that you need those people that are really in out. But it didn't start like that.
0: It did not. <laughs> I, I can give you kind of my nickel tour of our history if let's you want. Let's do it. Let's do it. So, yes, back, um, back in the 1960s, actually... A gentleman by the name of Herman Miller tried to raise enough money to build a civic center in downtown Mankato and you know he was not able to raise enough mm-hmm. so they wound up having to give the money back and which would be a very complicated process right. and so the the community leaders at the time decided you know this is a really generous community this kind of thing is gonna happen again where there's going to be programs and initiatives that we want to support and we need that kind of philanthropic vehicle to do that so they did their research and found that a community foundation would be the ideal um, uh, organization to help with philanthropic gestures going forward. So they created a, a community foundation. They rallied community leaders to be on the uh, original board. And I think I shared with you before, it's kind of a weird full circle because my mother was the first board chair um, of the organization 50 years ago. Wow, so that, it is full circle. Huh? Yeah, it's it's interesting. So um, they created the community foundation and then it was volunteer run for, you know, 25, 30, well, no, almost 35 years. Oh, OK. And um, and it during that time, it kind of it kind of morphed a little bit because initially in the first 20 or 25 years, that's what they would do. They would identify projects in the community like the Red Jacket Trail, Williams Nature Center, the the fountain in the library was the very first one. Oh. And they would identify projects and they would raise all the money. And then they would give it all away and then they would identify the next project and then they would raise the money for that and then they would give it all away. So it's
1: one thing at a time.
0: It was one project at a time. So we call that kind of a community chest model. Mm -hmm. Um, But in the early 2000s, so obviously uh, quite a while after that, they um, decided, you know, the kind of the standard community um, foundation business model, so to speak, is to raise assets and grant off income so that it's a perpetuity model, so sure. that it's always here. The other model's great, but it can go away at any time. Sure. And so if you have consistently have assets that you can grant off of, you're going to be around when the community needs you. So in the early 2000s, they shifted to that model. Um, they had received um, a gift actually from the Confer family, which allowed them to start that. And, um, and then, but they were still volunteer-run. So mm-hmm. again, as we all know, that you're an active volunteer, Lisa. Mm-hmm. Um, volunteer-run organizations are wonderful, but they can only grow so fast because we you know, all have
1: other things going everybody, on. Everybody, right? and
0: you need somebody to herd those cats, right? So um, are I you came, the
2: cat herder? I am <laughs> the official. I, that is my title. And, <laughs> and she's wearing the leopard jacket. So yeah, that's exactly. appropriate. Right. And
0: yeah. the cat. Um, so uh, I came on board in 2009. And, um, and, again, first paid, well, almost the first paid staff. Uh, we had a contract accountant at the time, and um, we were about $2 million. We were granting about $80,000 a year. Wow. And this last year, we went over $30 million
1: in assets, and we granted $3.5 million. Wow. Wow. So, you know, I think the difference between the, that step between moving from that community trust model to what you are now is a huge step. It, it was very significant and it was it was
0: very um, insightful of them to decide to shift to that model because that's not easy. Suddenly mm-hmm. now you're you're not fundraising for a project. You're fundraising for the future. You know, you're saying right. if we can accumulate these assets, we'll be able to continue to grant and grant and grant. But that takes a little bit more imagination and ability to sell that concept than Mm -hmm. it does to say, hey, we want to put a fountain in the library. People can picture it. Give me money for the fountain. Give me money for the fountain. And they know where their money's going. Right. Um, To to raise money for a pool of funds Mm -hmm. is harder. um, But in the long run a way better model for us.
1: And I think with, with the model that you operate off of now, the beauty is that maybe the fountain in the library doesn't speak to my soul, but maybe animals or food insecurity or something else does. And when you look at trying to ask people to you know, put the money where their heart is and, and help, uh, it's really easy for me to go, OK, well, I, I feel strongly about this, this, and this. And that's where I'd like my money to go. And you're you're able to do that. You
0: nailed it. And and the other thing that um, after 2009, we really spent a lot of time focusing on what we call donor advised funds. And without getting in the weeds too much, that allows us to work with individuals or families or businesses who want to create their own fund. And what we like to say is it's almost like having their own foundation. Only um, we do all the work. Mm -hmm. You know, we're their Mm -hmm. back office. Mm And in that way, they can do exactly what you said. They can identify those things they're passionate about mm-hmm. and give to those um, projects or programs in the community that really speak to them. And so it becomes our job to make them aware of what those projects are, what the needs are in the community, what the opportunities are, so we can match needs and opportunities. I'm using my hands. I hold mm-hmm. that- <laughs> No, I
1: talk with my hands
0: all the time. It's radio. <laughs> needs and opportunities in the community. <laughs> With the donors that care
2: about that,
1: it's like I've said this to Marine I think before. Like you're the great matchmakers. Yes, yes,
2: that's correct. So you so know I do donor relations, and yeah. that's basically my whole job, is working with people that, to find out what they're passionate about, and then help them find a way to go ahead and do that.
1: Right. And what do you do with those larger projects? Because I know that Mankato Area Foundation, and I've I've seen the logo and I've heard the name on many of our very large. Projects that happen in town mm-hmm. here, um, is that something where, where do those funds specifically come from? Is it somebody that, that is like, I, I wanna make the Kiwanis Holiday Lights happen? Or, or how does that work? And is it different than just.
2: Well, we have multiple donor advice funds. And some of the, we, we might go to one of those people and say, we know that you really like community events, you're excited about holiday kinds of things, would you wanna give to Kiwanis Holiday Lights? but then multiple of those in mm-hmm. our group might want to do that. So it comes under our umbrella, but it's also multiple of our funds. Nancy might have more to add to that. But.
0: No, and that's, and that's really the beauty, I believe, of a community foundation and donor-advised funds is that you get to take advantage of quantity. Mm-hmm. You know, So an organization, one example that um, I can think of is that um, – uh, FOCP, Feeding Our Community Partners, mm-hmm. found out one year that they were going to need to expand their summer feeding program, mm-hmm. and they found out with a very short amount of time and needed about $10,000 just to purchase what they needed to right. do that. It didn't cover really staff time or you know some of the other logistics, but it it took care of the cost of the program. In talking with Sherry, their executive director, she said, Nancy, I just don't have the time to sit down with donors and try to, you know, talk with them and explain this program. And it, this has got to be up and running in a couple of weeks. And so we sent out, I think, a half a dozen emails to our donors mm. at the time and said, hey, this initiative, this is what's going on and, and this is, would be the benefit to it. And in less than 48 hours, we had $25,000. Oh, wow. So that's the power of, you know, of, right. of using donors in a group. Mm-hmm. And, um, and you know, think how long that would have taken Sherry to go out and do that fundraising. It could have been six months for her right. to be able to do that's that. That's a large project right. for a small. Right. And so this is, like I said, this is the beauty of, of our being able to have a pool of over, you know, 150 funds that we. But what we need to mm-hmm. do in that process, is, it's a very high customer service, I would say, mm-hmm. because it's really important that we understand. I'm going to send out six emails and ask about this. I want to make sure they're targeted at individuals I know care about food insecurity or children or after school or, you know. what. Right. whatever and that means they,
1: you're very in tune with the donors and their needs. That is that's the plan. And so can we talk about that a little bit um, about when I think of. Uh, creating a legacy for my own family. When I think of, um, you don't have to be one of the millionaires in town. I know people are like, oh, well, my family doesn't have that kind of money. There are regular families that have decided that they're going to do something philanthropic.
2: We've had young families start with $5,000, and then they do really fun things. They'll sit around the table at Christmas time, and each kid gets $150 to put towards a charity. So we have a directory on our website that lists the nonprofits in the community, who's a 501c3, who's in good standing. It gives categories, so if the kids like animals, they can look at all the charities that deal with animals. If they like dance or if they like food insecurity, housing insecurity, they can find all that in the directory, and they can have that money go to their charity. So we did a video a couple years ago with the Nestler family. They're very fun. And each kid, one did the... Benches. One did food insecurity. And then the actress, (laughs) Margot, she did hers to Darby's Dancers because at the time it was the um, pandemic. And she just knew everyone needed to be uplifted. And she did a whole spiel on how this was motivational and inspirational. And it was just adorable. And they've made this a family thing. And we've had other families since then start with a... um, you know, it's not zillions, and and it doesn't have to. There's no set amount. It it right. can just be what's comfortable for that family, and they, as a group, can decide what charities they want to give to.
1: And that vetting process for the charities that people want to give to, how hard is that for you to do? Because there's a lot. There's a lot of organizations that are out there that that all need help. All of our all of our nonprofits.
0: It's actually um, not as hard as one might think. Okay. We, we have software that I'll, that gives us a lot of information. So. Um, But in this community, you know, we work with these nonprofits on a day-in, day-out basis. And so it's really just occasionally one we've never heard about before, that we need to do some more in-depth checking. And and so we we don't have to really do in-depth that often. Okay. But we are there to do it when we need to because it's important that the organization, for our donors' sake, when we're making recommendations, that we know we're making it for an organization that is going to honor their gift and be able to
1: handle it. And that makes us feel safe as donors right. then that our money is actually going to some place that you've checked out and you know exactly. that, you know, so it's kind of like a, that's a good endorsement, I think. Right. Um, we're visiting with Mankato Area Foundation today. Uh, we're going to be right back in just a few minutes. If, if somebody's listening and want to get some more information, there's a website we can go to quickly. MankatoAreafoundation.com. So easy. So easy. <laughs> Stick around. We're visiting with Maureen and Nancy today from Mankato Area Foundation. We'll be right back here on KTOE. It's Middays with Lisa Kay.
0: Welcome back to Talk of the Town. Here's Lisa K. on KTOE. All right. It's
1: 1125. Back with Mankato Area Foundation. Nancy Zalek in studio. Also, Maureen Gustafson joining me 50 years of Mankato area foundation the anniversary celebration going on
0: well what's interesting is that we don't just have one big event mm-hmm. and as you said we're celebrating this over the year and really the intent is to try to draw attention to the what has been funded and and added to this community through charitable giving I think most people as Marine said earlier don't realize um, the plethora of things that are every day to this community, right. a children's museum, vine, um, the painting on the silos, how many things that we um, use or see every day have been funded through charitable giving. So part of our goal is to spend a year just just celebrating that and saying this is an amazing community, and it truly is. Um, We stand out in this state as far as charitable giving. Right. And so um, to be able to just kind of, you know, tell the community, thank you and look what you've done. So to do that, rather than having one big event, we're just going to take smaller events throughout the year Mm -hmm. to for donors, for nonprofits, for our community, for all the people that we interact with on a daily basis to um, to again, celebrate with them and say thank you and really draw attention to it because obviously this is something we want to happen more and more going in the future. We're promoting charitable giving.
1: And I think you bring more uh, new people to the table every day. We've got new families and we've got people that are trying to leave legacies. uh, uh, That's something that we should also talk about, too, is um, we have uh, plenty of us have family members that want to leave something behind and Mm -hmm. something meaningful. And I know that when you most people, when they think about charitable giving, they don't want the recognition. They're not doing it for that. It's a different reason.
0: No. um, Generally, by the time people get to a position where they want to give back to the community, it's not for a pat on the back. It's because this community has been really good to them or some organization that they really care about has been really good to them or a family member is just important in their lives. And so they're really just trying to benefit that. It's not it's not about themselves. Mm -hmm. Often um, we'll have people who will give and just say, I would prefer to be anonymous, Mm -hmm. which is an option as
1: well. So going forward with the year long uh, of celebrating um, the the charitable giving, is it going to be, are you focusing that on like a social media post? Will there be advertising? How will we know? All of the above. Oh, yes.
2: (laughs) And then there's things that we've done that, there again, people don't know we did. Um, We did the initial gift to start Juneteenth. We did the initial gift for Day of the Dead. So we've continued to fund those wonderful additions to our community's calendar and we'll just make a big deal out of it this year right as far as our our participation and letting people know that our donors help make that happen
1: and maybe then you'll bring them in to share their stories on talk of the town correct yeah well let's let's do it that way i really enjoy that and um i know moving moving forward if people are are looking at um just getting some information about creating their own legacy Mm -hmm. they can contact you
0: absolutely yeah absolutely we're it's very easy to find us on the website you asked me earlier it's mankatoareafoundation.com which has all of our contact information there so if anybody has any interest um yes please reach out we can we love those kind of phone calls Welcome back to Talk of the Town. Here's Lisa Kay on KTOE.
1: We're back on KTOE, middays. Thanks for hanging out with Mankato Area Foundation in studio. We've got Nancy Zalek, Marine Gustafson here talking about the 50th anniversary of Mankato Area Foundation and what they are going to be doing. So moving forward, in if you're following along social media, if you're looking at advertising, uh, anything like that, you might be seeing some uh, focusing on some of the area projects. And uh, Nancy and marine let's talk a little bit i have a question before we get to some specifics but uh, recently kind of a, a a gift from glenn taylor can you tell me a little bit about that or sure um, <laughs>
0: happily <laughs> uh, yes recently uh we we announced along with the, the taylor foundation that glenn was donating 172 million dollars in agricultural land um that is actually being set aside in a separate organization but the um the income from that land, the rents and whatever will, uh, for no better word, float up to the foundation and a couple other foundations uh, to help uh, support projects in rural Minnesota and rural Iowa. And so he's working with the foundation because of our expertise in the area mm-hmm. so that we can help fulfill his vision. So that talk, you, you've you used the word legacy a number of times. right? And this is one way that Glenn is starting his his long-term legacy. And we just feel incredibly honored to, to be a part of that. What was that like
1: for you, getting that phone call, getting <laughs> that, was it an email? How do you, I mean, are you sitting yeah, at home that, watching TV like, no, uh what? There's that fine line between <laughs> wanting to be like, what? And, and trying to act really
0: cool. Like, yeah, of course, right. Everybody gives me $172 million. <laughs> I mean, to be really Why honest. You? <laughs> yeah, exactly. But um, I've had the opportunity to work with Glenn over the years, and um, he's just really committed to this region. Mm-hmm. Just really, it, this and um, agriculture are yeah. something that is just really close to his heart. So to be able to be part of that is um, just incredibly. Um,
1: it's like got to be humbling. Humbling. It like,
0: oh, wow. Yeah, exactly.
1: Exactly. Wow. That's very cool. And so the things that you'll be able to do with that uh, to help leave that legacy. We talk a little bit about the projects that are going on that people might not realize that Mankato Area Foundation has had. Uh, I always like to say had your fingers in. But really from a ground level, some things that um, you don't get mentioned. And you don't do it for mention. But now I'm going to give you a chance to tell me about some of those things.
0: Well, one of the interesting ones, because it's kind of a full circle, so um, a donor, uh, the Fallensteins, Alan Earl of Fallenstein, Mm -hmm. passed away um, a number of years ago, probably a couple decades ago, and um, left a fund to the foundation and and had some general ideas of the things that they wanted to fund. And um, because Al Fallenstein was in a wheelchair, we decided that funding um, areas that were accessible would, would... align with that donor's intent. Right. And so the Fallenstein field and the, the Fallenstein playground um, obviously were used with funds left to us, but they left the the funds to us trusting us mm-hmm. to do right by them. Which makes you really wanna do right by them. You right, know so, right. so those two projects were uh, funded through the foundation. The we've mentioned the Qantas Holiday Lights, but one of the things I love about that project is that Qantas came to us early on and said, you know, we need a hundred thousand dollars to get this off the ground. Mm-hmm. That was, they, 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 needed, um, they needed that big piece. And, um, and so we sat and went, okay, what donors do we have? And this was quite a number of years ago. So we didn't have as right. many donors to use. And then we remembered that the Fallensteins that Earl of Fallenstein was the one who got the, the lights on Mary circle. Oh, started. that was, and oh, so she great. loved twinkle lights and she loved the holidays. And so I actually talked with her son and said, what do you think about this project? Could this be a Fallenstein project? And he said, oh my God, this would make her so happy. And so doing something like that when when you know that it it aligns so beautifully with what the donors did. So we funded... uh, there's, uh, we gave them a significant gift initially to be the seed money mm-hmm. to, to get uh, Qantas Holiday Lights going. But then it became kind of a partnership. And so we have funded numerous things for uh, Qantas Holiday Lights over the years. This year, an 80-foot tree. As, yeah, that was
2: beautiful. Wasn't yes. that cool? Oh, what a beautiful. Showcase piece. Mm-hmm. How people can get engaged in front of the tree. Mm-hmm.
0: Yep. Yep. And why don't you tell them about the train too, Maureen?
2: Well, then the train was another part of that. So it ran a couple of nights during this season. Next season, it'll be full-time, but it is a three-car train that holds up to 40 passengers. The final car is accessible, so wheelchairs can do the train. But um, it started as a pipe dream of Shannon Gullickson. She'd seen a train in Arizona and thought, wouldn't that be a nice addition to Kiwanis Holiday Lights? She had been a longtime volunteer. So she and I, Took Kurt Fisher up for lunch, because he's an avid train fanatic, <laughs> and uh, he pretended he had absolutely no interest in this train. He went home <laughs> that night and uh, called China and started designing a train. And through the pandemic, that was his project, late night calls to China, working with a company he had met during an exchange program, With MSU and through the state of Minnesota's economic development group. Wow. And he remembered these people and he got the MSU engineering department involved. And this train was built, but of course the pandemic raised numerous problems. Sure. Shipping, that no one could get a container. And then when they did get a container, it had to wait in a port for a long, long time. Mm. And then when it finally arrived a year ago, uh, the first crate was opened and the back cars came out and they were beautiful. Mm-hmm. Positively exceeded everyone's expectations. The engine was opened and it was a nightmare. It had been mm-hmm. going <laughs> all the way across the ocean and it hadn't been uh, strapped down properly. Oh, sure. So basically they opened the crate and it was a bunch of pieces. Mm-hmm. So then there was insurance challenges. MSU's engineering department got very involved then and they put it all back together. Wow. So um, that took until a couple weeks ago. A lot of media coverage on the completion yep. of the train. Yep, Kyle but, was in here uh, talking about yep, that. They had a couple of nights where they could actually use the train this season. Next season, it's going to be a huge experience for everybody.
1: Can't wait to see it. I know that, uh, let's talk about the uh, the uh, Mankato Area Leadership Program. Um, well, I, one of the
0: things I was going to say is that, you know, we've talked a lot about some of these kind of signature gifts in the community, those gifts that everybody sees mm-hmm. and drives by every day, but we're also funding hundreds and hundreds of things that people are unaware of. Um, the the um, leadership component that is run through the the chamber GMG, right. through GMG was started at the Mankato Area Foundation um, before my time, actually when Maureen was working with the foundation uh, early on. And um, so that's one thing. But, you know, we fund hundreds of scholarships um, with local high schools, MSU, South Central College, you know, a lot of individuals. Um, scholarships often come up when somebody passes away in a family. Sure. And they want to honor that individual or memorialize them somehow. Then they'll come to us and say, I'd like to do a scholarship in a certain area that was important to them. And so um, we do many, many
1: scholarships that, you know, and those are the kinds of things that, eh, Yeah, you don't get mentioned it doesn't it's it's from somewhere else right Um, and I know that there's uh, things like you mentioned the silos earlier I didn't really realize that that you were involved in that we
0: just had a number of donors who participated in Mm -hmm. the in the silos and, and we worked with Twin Rivers at the time to try to rally the troops to get the funding for that and I remember the first first meeting we had. They said, um, and don't quote me on this number, but I think it was like two hundred fifty thousand dollars. Right. And will we ever be able to raise two hundred fifty thousand dollars? Oh, this community, piece of cake. And they were, and they were. Because they were really scared to try that right, and I was so glad that the community came through mm-hmm. <laughs> for me mm-hmm. because uh, but look what a lovely asset it is,
1: and then the art walk you're involved with the the art walk in the city center yeah, in the beginning there, and
0: that's a just, there's a long history with the art walk because we've actually initially funded a feasibility study, which we've done on a number of projects sometimes it's it, it's very wise to find out whether there's the capacity for the community to right. actually um, Support an initiative. And so uh, they did a feasibility study on doing the City Art Walking Sculpture Tour, and it obviously came back positively that it was something this community would support. And then over time, we have continued to not only um, give to them uh, financially, we have purchased a number of uh, sculptures uh, for our 50th. Mm -hmm. Our board, current and past board members, bought... Luna which is the sculpture outside of our offices so that they will be there forever and then Marine just worked with the donor on an interesting project with the sculpture walk
2: and one of my donors their uh, passion was the post office he had been a 35 year postal carrier and also had worked inside and together they own a uniform company that sells postal uniforms and they wanted to do something to commemorate service
1: Wow. And
2: so they have a brand new sculpture in front of the post office that is all about delivering for you.
1: Oh, so many things that we don't know that are going on behind the scenes here. That's Mankato right? Area Foundation, one of those uh, great organizations. If you're looking for more information, once again, I want to thank both of you for joining me today. But if people are looking for more information or maybe how to get involved, or maybe they want to follow on social media and see the the posts as you celebrate through the year, Um do you have do you have Facebook. As I know we've we mentioned do. the website already, we but do.
2: and then that's Bancroft Area Foundation com. It can get you to any of these things.
1: So busy, and, and keep being busy. And thank you.
2: Yeah, we used to used to say, you know.
0: After the holidays. Oh, we'll have some downtime. Or we'll have, there were different times of the year where we th- we'll have some downtime.
1: That's cute, Nancy. Yeah, exactly. No downtime. <laughs> There's no downtime for her. Right. Well, thank you so much for coming in today, Nancy Zalek from Mankato Area Foundation. Marine Gustafson, always good to see you. Good to be you here. You bring somebody back next month, we'll oh, talk. Yeah. All right.